Thanks for checking out Free Chapel Young Adults. We're so excited to share this conversation with you from our last third Wednesday gathering. We'd love to help you get more connected at FCYA here in Orange County. For more info, just follow us on Instagram or text FCOCYA to 510-510. We hope you enjoy this episode, but be sure to join us next month for FCYA Third Wednesday. We'll see you soon. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to Third Wednesday once again. In case we haven't met, uh, my name is Cody, and uh, my wife Rachel and I have the chance of just getting a uh, privilege of leading this community, but we're glad that you're here. If you haven't already, go ahead and be friendly to the people around you. Just say what's up to the people sitting behind you, sitting next to you. Glad that you're here tonight. And a special shout out to everyone listening back on the FCYA podcast, the third Wednesday digital stream. We're glad that you're tuning in. Um, hey, tonight is uh, really what I believe is just one of my favorite nights of the entire month. And it's not just because we only get a chance to gather once a month as a young adult community, but uh, how many are with me and just love every conversation that happens each third Wednesday. It's so powerful and significant. That's right. So you made a good decision uh, to come tonight, and maybe somebody invited you. I don't want to um, assume that everyone in here um, is a part of our community and just, you know, believes what we believe. But part of what I believe is that, um, you know, the next 40 minutes or so, the reason we've orchestrated these nights like this is just to kind of have a conversation around what it means to follow Jesus. And I think it's really cool if you're here and maybe you just were promised a free dinner or uh, were just coerced into coming because someone sent you something on Instagram or whatever. Uh, man, I think it's an awesome night for you to be here just to check out what it means to be a Jesus follower and a part of a community of faith. I think it's a significant night for you. So we're glad that you're here. And uh, just the next 40 minutes or so, we're going to dive into a conversation. Tonight joining me is uh, Free Chapel's most eligible bachelor. <laughs> wow. He is Mr. Free Chapel, wow. Pastor Sean Matta. Mr. Free Chapel. Mr. Free Chapel. <laughs> Thanks for being here, bro. Honored. Uh, privileged. Yeah, I'm this excited. This is good. Yeah, this is very good. It's going to be very good. I'm excited because it'll be certainly a lot of fun to just begin to talk. And um, I think before we jump in, I just want to know, just to, so we can all understand which side of the fence you lean. There is a trend going on on Instagram right now. And the trend is, uh, really, there's a hung verdict in our world of whether or not there are more doors or wheels on the planet. Are you team door or team wheel? And why? Are there more doors in the world or in wheels general? in the world? Yeah, in general. Generally. It's counting all the Have doors. Have you not heard this? No. It, you're not, Yeah. <laughs> All the doors in the world all the, and all the wheels it, like that door and yep. that. If we could count them all up, would there be more doors or more wheels For on sure. the planet? Doors. Team door. Doors. Wow. Right? Handy. Literally just in this room, there's more doors than wheels. Maybe. And, but on, also there's four <laughs> doors. Two doors. Who drives two doors anymore? Oh, bunch of mini coopers. We What's love you if you on? drive a two-door. Well, <laughs> two-door. But what about like all the shopping carts and baby strollers? Dang. Right? <laughs> or 
That's true. There's 18 yes. wheelers. There's not 18 doors. No. Not Tag a thing. Nabbit. I stand corrected. Oh, I'm convicted. So doors I'm so now. wrong. I don't think before I speak. 18 wheelers out there showing us who's boss. But then there's also two doors in here. Yes. And like four out there. I don't know, man. The most convincing evidence I've heard about team doors are advent calendars. If you haven't thought about that, each one oh. is a door. 31 the door doors. The chocolate. 31 doors, mass Dang produced. It. Over and over and over. <laughs> Dang. Raise your hand if you're team door in here. Okay, the, the few but the proud. Team wheel, raise your hand. Okay. Oh, wow. There it is. I'm sticking with door. <laughs> hey, um, a lot of great, you know, just I think that's it's fun. It's fun to be able to discern what is uh, team, we, what is the truth. That's right. That's what we're here to do, you guys. Figure out the truth. Uh, now we truth. are tonight. We're going to be concluding our um, collection of conversations that we've been in during this whole season one um, that we're calling the search for everything. And uh, it's been a cool, I think, set of conversations that we've had. Just kind of having some home team nights um, to really set some vision and direction in the new year. We started in January talking about um, sort of who we are and what we believe, and sort of setting some direction for this community and why we gather the way that we do, and really the the purpose or the intent behind um, what we're trying to be and what we're trying to accomplish. And, uh, you know, the kind of the premise for this, this collection has been um, that in all of our lives, you know, the young adult years many times can feel like a search. And uh, they're spent searching for a lot of different things. Um, in, in one sense of the word, searching for everything is like, it's kind of the years where you figure out, you know, putting all the pieces of your life together for maybe the first time, or maybe after you graduate college, you're left to do that again, figuring out, okay, where, where am I at? What, what is my life going to be? Um, but then there's the sense of searching for the everythings and the most important things that sort of give our life context and give our life a sense of uh, meaning and purpose. And so I've just, you know, seen it time and time again. The young adult years, 18 to 30, is, is a years where you can search for love, you can search for purpose, you can search for meaning and direction. And so that's kind of the idea that we've come around um, searching for everything. And the sort of verse that we've anchored this whole thing on is John 14, 6, um, which I just would love to read together tonight. It'll be on the screens if, if you um, want to just turn your attention there. But Jesus has this moment in the scriptures where his disciples, in a moment of confusion, have... Um, kind of asked him like, hey, what are, how do we know what, what we're going to do? Or how do we know the way to go in life? And Jesus, he actually self-identifies with the famous words saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. And so um, part of, I think, what is actually really cool about this verse, for many of you that may be just joining us for the first time, is this is actually kind of like a core idea for who we are as Free Chapel Young Adults. And part of what I believe that are the three deepest needs for every young adult in Orange County and really every young adult on the planet is the need to find spiritual direction, authentic community, and a joy-filled life. Now, spoiler alert, this is what we believe, that the search ends with Jesus and that he himself identifies as the answer, that we don't have to look any further than who he is in the person of Jesus. And so maybe just kind of along with this theme, maybe you can cue us in if you can shed some light on your young adult experience, the things in life that you have maybe searched for the longest or the things that have taken the longest to find. 
I've thought so long and hard about this question, but I didn't know you were going to set it up after scripture. So now it's going to sound so shallow, but I'm sticking to the answer. Stick to your guns. Come on. Oh, a black t-shirt that I like. Listen, I have searched long and hard for the right (laughs) black t-shirt. And it is way harder than you think to find the one you find, you know, you Amazon black t-shirts, you go to Target, Walmart, try different brands, okay. what's Costco, which one? And I found it. Last year I found it. There we go. Anybody want to know what it yeah, is? Yeah, well, we, maybe we should set this up as a brand endorsement. If you're listening, uh, whoever it is. If you're listening, my cash app is yeah, SeanMT3000. Yeah. <laughs> So what's the brand? Shoe what's... Palace. No. Shoe Palace black t-shirt is the move. They have an amazing, I... this right here, Shoe Palace. So if you wanted to know the wardrobe of Free Chapel's most eligible bachelor, Shoe Palace. Shoe Palace. <laughs> Essential, it's good, it's good. That's great. You can... Shoe Palace though, they got two for 20. I went and I bought eight for 80. And I got stocked up on my Come favorite on. black T-shirt. All of the them planet. black. Eight black T-shirts. All of them. Two of them white, but you'll never see me in it. Oh. <laughs> you could pay me a thousand dollars right now, and I could not tell you where a shoe palace is in Orange oh, County. Oh, they got one in Santa Ana. They got one in Tustin. They got one in Anaheim. Oh yeah, they got a shoe palace. They're, they got a shoe out palace. There. They're out there. Shoe palace. If you're listening, they're thriving. We'll they need the more. They need more Jordan One options, in my opinion. They only got like that yellow and purple one that no one's gonna buy. But that's that. I'm sorry. I'm rambling, dude. About shoe palace. What am I doing? But you're a big Jordan guy, I right? Love, like, I love me a good. Jo- I like it. I like it a little worn though. I don't. I don't. I don't do the whole brand new look. And these guys, the, the, the worship team, they're all wearing their spotless Jordans. And I'm like, it Ooh. looks too perfect for me. I need me a little bit of wear and tear on that bad boy before I start running it. That's you know the what I'm next, saying? next hung verdict for sure. People that wear dirty Air Forces. and It's a yeah, thing. Yeah. It's so a thing. Maybe a little bit deeper. What's something? <laughs> you like that transition? Perfect. I, I thought it was like a light first question. Yeah, you know? I know it is. T-shirt. T-shirt. <laughs> But let's think, like, just for you, is there anything you feel like has been maybe a defining search um, during your young adult years? Yeah. Yep. I'd probably say, and something I'm actually really passionate about is how to actually be fully myself and be, like, unapologetic about that. I think there's, like, that, like, crossroads that all of us face as a young adult that's, like... Am I trying to be someone that everyone's going to be happy with and is going to please everyone, is going to please my leaders, and is going to please my community, and is going to fit in without causing friction or complications, or am I just going to do me, like, honestly? And there was, like, that decision that I feel like I finally, like, oh, like, yeah, I'm going to be fully me, and I'm not, like, going to go back, and I'm not going to be apologetic about it. Like, I have something clearly different about my life as everybody's life has and carries and so I just I think I really started taking ownership of that and started seeing a difference in my own my own journey my confidence who I was just me as a person I just I owned it like God created me with this really weird wobble and I got this wobble and I'm gonna own this wobble and when I wobble and I see videos of my wobble I'm gonna be proud of that wobble oh baby lean with it (laughs) 
rock with it. Is that, was that like a decision or is that something you feel like you just kind of stumbled into along the way? There was this guy at, I was, at the church I was at before, there was this guy that came up to me and gave me a prophetic word and he was like, and if you're not comfortable with prophecy, you're about to get comfortable with prophecy because it changed my life. And he really felt like God put it on his heart to tell me that God created you uniquely different and he created you to worship how you worship, pray how you pray, talk how you talk, walk how you walk. And he even said this, pursue girls how you pursue girls. Like no one pursues a girl the way you pursue a girl. And now it just changed my life. I'm like, oh my gosh. Yeah. Like God's in those details. Like he created me to have a unique pursuit of relationship. He created yeah. me to be wired completely different than the person next to me, you know, and that's okay. It's a good thing. That's really cool. And you know, I think some of my journey has been a little bit like that as well. Yeah you know, just kind of finding a sense of maybe self-awareness at first and then set settling into being comfortable with who God created you to be. And um, I think that, you know, some of the even conversation from last month talking about finding authenticity and vulnerability and finding like genuine community. Um, if you haven't listened to that, I'd encourage you to maybe go back and find the last episode here that we've done kind of around third Wednesday, because it was really, I think, a, a special moment for us. Um, but part of what I think I want to get to tonight is maybe the fulfillment side of that and talking about what it means for Jesus to be the life. Um, so we've spent each month kind of talking. January, we did Jesus as the way. Last month, we did Jesus as the truth. So really kind of unpacking these words, Jesus as the life, and really coming around this idea of the need that we all have for a joy-filled life, the need that we're searching for to find fulfillment and to find maybe that sense of security in who we are and what we're called to do, and even giving ourselves to a sense of that um, really like wholeheartedly. And um, I don't know if you, you, you would fall into the category for me of somebody who lives a fulfilled life. I hope that's a high compliment. I, I feel like Very I, high I worked hard on that man. one. Oh, yeah. man. So, <laughs> yeah, but is, I'm curious. I'm sure that's been a journey, right? Maybe, I don't know if that's you, yeah. that's, that's external or if you feel that too, yeah. but can you maybe share some of that? And maybe, I don't know if this is a moment you want to share of even how you got to Free Chapel and some of the, the journey there. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I, um, oh, wait, well, so how I got to Free Chapel and then what was the one before, right before that? Um, how I've kind of arrived at enjoying like yeah. life, living a fulfilled life. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's great. Would you say that you you're fulfilled? I feel extremely fulfilled. Okay. Like, obviously, we all like have those moments, you know, where you're like, oh, I, I kind of have this desire. I I do feel like I'm, I'm, you know, everybody has that like hopes, dreams, aspirations. But I feel like um, that that passage of I've come to give you life and life abundantly. Other, translation, other translations, life to the full. That John 10, 10 verse, when I really latched onto it, it, it actually changed my life. And um, it allowed me to live a life that I, I refused to settle for what was like okay and what was, you know, and it's, it's actually applied to my life and shifted things in my life around a ton. And I would say even with this, with coming to free chapel actually yeah like that was a huge journey for me 
Should I, sh- I should yeah. share on that? Yeah. Yeah, let us in a little bit about that. Because what was it this, just this week, you celebrated two years on staff. Yes. Is that right? Yes. Yeah, incredible. Two years. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. We're, yeah. We're all blessed by our worship team on Sundays. You've done such a great job Killing. with that. Killing. The team has been amazing. I'm so thankful for you guys. And the guys you'll see up here tonight, they are so faithful to this church. It's, it's awesome. incredible. Yeah. A little shout out. But, um, so take us a couple years back. Okay, two years ago, I'm at a church called Bethel in Northern California, Little Redding. Yep. Never heard of it. Ever heard of it? Ever <laughs> heard of it? It's one of the greatest houses on the planet, and they're obviously leaving a mark globally as a house of worship. And um, I was there, and I was leading worship, and I was loving it. I never thought I'd leave in a million years. I was, I was like, this is paradise for a worship leader. And they have like hour and a half worship sets and then they start the message you're like this is like going to Disneyland like if you are hungry to worship this is Disneyland for worshipers you know like they don't care they don't they're not in a hurry and it it was just so cool like really refreshing environment for me to absorb and be in and immersed in I learned a ton and then as I was there different different jobs would kind of come and go and you're like oh maybe that maybe that but I was still convinced in my heart that I was, like, supposed to be in Reading. Like, I was going to get married there one day. I have kids there. Like, Reading was my city now. Bethel was my church. This was my place. And that's how I saw it in my head. And then one day, I will try to keep this so short. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to, like, run through this. But I was living with a guy, um, my roommate. <laughs> how do I do this to myself? <laughs> Come here and neck me. <laughs> Anyways, my roommate, I had several roommates. We were all buddies, good buds. And, <laughs> and anyways, he got a text from the worship pastor in Georgia, and he's like, sent a screenshot of my Instagram, and is like, hey, do you know this guy? And he's like, what are you talking about? It's my roommate. That's crazy. And he's like, you think he'd be down to come to our OC campus one day just to visit? And he was like, I'm sure he would be down. So, you know, we got in touch. I come down for a weekend. It was a great experience. I really enjoyed the team. They played arrangements of songs that made me laugh, because I was like, there's no way they're actually playing it like this. Like, they got... They're playing Glorious Day in a way I've never heard people play Glorious Day before. Like, it was like this funk gospel fusion. I was like, what are they doing? This is crazy. I was literally laughing during rehearsal, but they were serious. It was kind of nuts. And <laughs> and then um, I was like, oh, that was a great weekend. Back, back in Reading, loving it. And then they invited me to come back another weekend, and Pastor Jensen was here that weekend. He's a senior pastor of the church, and... Um, and that weekend was fire. Like he just, if you know, Pastor Jensen, he's a worshiper. He loves worship. He burns for worship and he just, he let the place cook. Like it was, it was amazing. And I was like, dang, this is actually really beautiful. I go back to Reading the next day. And, um, at that point I had known that Free Chapel was looking for a worship pastor for the house in OC. And, um, they set up a phone call and Pastor Jensen's on the phone call and um, quick rewind, you're gonna love this, all right. Before the phone call, I'm like, I'm talking with that same roommate and I'm like, bro, I'm about to talk with uh, Jensen Franklin, you know. (laughs) I didn't know who he was before that weekend and I honestly thought he was like a larger black man. Like I was like, Jensen Franklin sounds like, sounds like a T.D. Jakes type physique, you know? It's like Jensen Franklin, you know? 
And then I met him, I'm like. His name kind of does that. It's kind of, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Sure. I could say larger, I'm larger, it's okay. It's all right. And then, and then we're, on, we're sitting there on the couch, I'm waiting for this phone call, and my friend's on Instagram, and he sees that Jensen is live on Instagram in front of the White House, and he's like, just, just prayed for Ibanka and the, and the Trump household, God's doing a lot in there. And I'm like, there's no way this guy's about to hop on the phone right now, this is crazy. And, and, and my roommate was like, dude, there's no chance. Like, there's no chance. He's at the White House. Anyways, gets off the gram, and I get a call, and <laughs> Pastor Jensen's on the call. And I'm like, are you in front of the White House right now? Like, did that just happen? And he's like, oh, yeah, it was, it was a really powerful time. Sorry, it went a little long. And I'm like, yeah, it's all good. Sure. Yeah. Take your time. <laughs> I'm just chilling on this couch. <laughs> Anyways, but also, yes, he prayed for Trump, and that's okay. That's okay. He prayed for the president. I'm just, I don't know if that's okay that I said that. Is that okay? That's great. We should pray for our leaders. Amen. Anyway, so yeah, so we have this call. I like fell in love with him in this conversation. Months and months go by. We start kind of dating. I, I come to the church a couple more times. <laughs> you in the church, not me you and the Pastor church, Jensen. Not me and Pastor Jensen. Yeah. He's happily married. That's two. Several children. That's Dang, two, y'all are going to get sus after this. I'm thinking, Big Shawnee's got a problem. <laughs> That's two. <laughs> Anyways. And then in December, I ended up taking, taking the role, and I moved in March of 2020, right before the shutdown. It's awesome. Amen. Yeah. Long journey. But I will say this. I was not initially, I was not initially thinking, I'm going to go to Free Chapel and be the happiest guy. Hmm. I was really, really sad to leave Bethel. Like that was one of the hardest transitions in my life. Like by far, I was in love with that place. I had community that I thought we would do life together forever. And we still will, you know, but it's, it looks so different now. But I knew that God was calling me here and I didn't know that I was gonna fall in love with the people. I didn't know I was gonna fall in love with this worship team. I didn't know what it was gonna look like or that I was gonna be as believed in as I was. I just responded to the fact that I knew God called me here and it was the season to obey. And that was, I feel like that's like a part of this whole conversation is Jesus has a way of, he, he will call you and it might not seem like the most tangibly happy thing Right, and I didn't move to Free Chapel to be happy. Yeah, I moved to Free Chapel because I felt God invite me into that journey to be at Free Chapel. I respond to His call, and out of that flowed way more than I, I could have imagined yeah. as far as my actual happiness out of that season. Like, I feel so happy. I feel alive in this season, and I don't. I don't know if I would have felt that even if I stayed in Reading, where I thought I'd be the most happy. You know, it's just yeah. interesting. Yeah. No, that's that's part of what I want to lean into. Because overall, you'd say, like, initially the decision was not one that's, like, chasing what you perceive as happiness or even, like, success maybe. But you'd lean into that and saying, I'm trusting God. And watch how fulfilled you get on the back end, um, knowing two years later how how worth it that might have been. Um, I think, like, I don't know if you would agree with this, but sort of thinking about tonight, talking about these kind of overlap between fulfillment and joy and happiness. Um Part of what I think, and I just maybe is a little bit controversial to say, but I I kind of feel like happiness is a bad motivator. 
I kind of feel like um, wanting to lean into this when we're talking about, okay, how do we live a life that is joy-filled? And how do we live a life that is fulfilled? And like you feel like you're, you know, kind of have that it's fun and you feel like God's hand is on it and you're crushing it. Um, I, I feel like chasing that is is kind of a bad motivator. You know, like doing something that makes, because it makes you happy is probably bad advice. And I think like, you know, doing something just because it may, in the name of, oh, this is what makes me happy is kind of like the same as going to McDonald's because you don't want to be hungry, yeah. you know, or like, you know, um, getting into a relationship because you don't want to be lonely, right? It's like, and it's, it's not really what you chase. And we're not talking about that tonight, so everyone can calm down. Lust. <laughs> talking about lust. But like, it's interesting to me to, talk, to think through like, what are the things in life that make you happy? And what are the things that make you joyful? On the surface, like the things that I found to give me the deepest joy on the surface didn't look like things that I was like chasing for that reason. And so then, you know, kind of coming into this thought of like, um, in the Bible, there is no command to just be joyful. You know, there's not, not a command that's like, okay, now go and be happy. Because happiness or joy is probably a better way to think about it is, is, is a result of something else. And it's always like as we are faithful and pursue goodness and serve God without re- self-regard, um, that's kind of where joy and fulfillment come in on the backswing. Maybe to say it this way is that joy is the result of another search. You know, we're searching how to please God or we're searching out the direction for our lives or we're, we're pursuing Jesus and joy is thrown in and fulfillment is thrown in. You and, wanna... and that's, and, and the same thing with surrender. Like, yeah. it, it, the Bible is clear. You give up your life to gain life. Mm-hmm. Like, lay down your life that you would be born again and have a new life. Like, and that new life doesn't seem like, like, let's be honest, like getting, getting drunk immediately will probably make you kind of happy. Like you'll probably, if you're looking for a happy feeling right away, you'll probably feel kind of happy. Like you'll feel kind of silly. You'll, you'll get, you'll, you know, that, that life, if you want to feel happy, have sex. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, that sounds super weird. Don't leave with that as the one-liner of the That's night. It's not the but sound bite, yeah. No, it's not the sound. But I'm saying, it, it, you'll feel Momentary. happy. You'll yeah. feel momentarily happy. But you know what's actually more life-giving and will truly make you happy is that life of surrender that says it's so much better God's way. It's so much better God's way, and I trust God in the practicals. Yes. And, and that's in the faithfulness of the day-to-day, I'm surrendered, I'm walking the way God believes is the best way to actually walk. And though these other things might be momentarily making me happy, um, that's, it's, it's a bowl of soup in comparison to the true happiness that comes from the fulfillment of living the life God has for us. And I really believe that. And I have a poem. Yes? He has no idea I'm about to do this. Are you a poet? I am a poet and I know it. I, I love that you didn't see this coming. And I'm yeah, about that, to, was a, that was a curveball. I am about to do this right now. And it applies so well. And I'm going to need you guys to track right now because this might be the most fire thing. 
So was, give it to us. I was yeah. thinking about it today, and I'm like, I'm gonna write a poem. Who thinks like that? Only an artist. Only an artist. But we're talking about how us giving up our lives would gain a life abundant, right? Gain a fulfilled life. Now listen, you give up your life, but you're, you're gaining true life. You might give up a toxic friend or two, but you're gaining the best friend who loves you. You might give up cussing and foul talk, but you gain a heavenly language and a righteous walk. Maybe you give up getting drunk on all the booze, but you start drinking everlasting water you can't refuse. You're giving up crack, but you're getting heaven snack. No, no. I'm giving up bread that dies and gaining the bread of life. I'm laying down insecurities and lies, but gaining the truth of my father's pride. I'm giving up my hands on their thighs, but my purity stays uncompromised. I'm giving up lust and sex, but I'm gaining a marriage that's going to be blessed. Okay, let's snap. Let's snap. Snap. We'll take it back. But I mean it when I say the practicals of how God asks us to live, it's actually practical. Like, it's, it's not this, like, foreign, like, if, if he's asking us of something, he's actually meaning it to be the best way for us. And there's so many other, like, things that are alluring us to make us happy and to give us grat gratification. And, and the thing is, truly staying devoted to how God has designed life yeah. and his commands, that is a life that is thriving and that will prosper you. Like that truly is. And that's a life abundant. And that's the way of Jesus. Yeah. And I think part of like signing up for the journey of faith and becoming a Christian is something that we should grow in our, like we should grow in our, um, conviction that Jesus's way is better. You know, like part of the, this thing is like the longer that we walk it out is we should learn to trust more and more. Really, that's what faith is. It's, it's a persuasion of, of God's way and that I'm going to be convinced that his way is better than my way, that he knows more of what's going to make me happy and fulfilled than I do. That's so good. And even if like it doesn't make sense on the surface, mm -hmm. I think the way to you know experience that kind of life is it starts with just a trust in God and then to begin to say um you know I, I believe that Jesus and and who he is is better than anything the world can offer you have to stay convinced of it like it has to actually be on the forefront of your mind I know I am fully convinced and I have a conviction that his way is better than mine because there's going to be so many opportunities to go my own way. Like every day there's an opportunity to think how the world thinks and talk how the world talks and act how the world acts. Every day there's an opportunity for that. And there is in that same opportunity an invitation to think, Jesus, what is your way? Like how would you do this? How would you talk? And yeah. for me to actually be convinced that it is a better way and it is a higher call. That's why it says the road is narrow. Like yeah. it really is. And it's harder to access, but it takes that intentionality. It's like, oh no, I'm convinced this is a better road for my life. Yeah. And you look at like the example of Jesus who, you know, we, we, part of what we would believe about when Jesus came to earth is that he became human to show us how to be human. Like his example, he didn't just die for us, but he also lived in the way that we should live. And part of, I think, his example is this moment um, at the very end of his life where he is kind of tested in the ultimate way, where he's, you know, the path before him that God is calling him to walk in is literally death. Mm -hmm. And he has a moment where he says, God, I trust that your way is better than mine. 
we say it like this, not my will, but your will be done. And it was actually in giving himself completely that he, I would argue, experienced the most fulfilling act of human history. It literally says, it was for the joy set before me that I endured the cross. Really good. That I endured the cross. It was the joy set before me. Like, really, think about that. And sometimes I just think, like, we get annoyed by the smallest things. Like, Mm. we get annoyed by a parking ticket, and it ruins our day, you know? But it, like, I don't want to be that shakable. Like, I don't want to be that easily shaken, that something that small would ruin my day, you know? And, And just scale it, like... It goes from anything from like a parking ticket to a conversation that triggered us or to our agenda not being met or unmet expectations, whatever it is. And when you think about this, he endured the cross and scorned it for its shame, is what Hebrews 12 says. Yeah. There's, there's something else it says that's kind of good in there. I'm trying to remember. There's something at the end there. It's really nice. Seated at the right hand of the Father. Yeah. And then he says, and then he says, see the right hand of the Father. Let me look it up. This yeah. is this is something good. You you say something. Well, and it's not even just <laughs> I love it. You say something. <laughs> That's gonna well, change it, our lives. Yeah, it's not even just being shaken though, but how easily can something steal our joy? You know, and it's yeah, it's it's not even just like us getting a little bit rattled, but you watch how, you know, something as maybe seemingly as insignificant as a tough conversation at work or, you know, a frustrating encounter with your roommate, it like right. takes your joy away for the day. Yes. Yes. You know, definitely. And, and I think that like, that's where we have to have a deeper source for joy. You know, it can't be something that's superficial. Like that's, I don't know if you want to hit on this at all but like part of that's the distinction between like just being happy or or having a positive attitude and um then just actually experiencing true joy yeah it's it's there's there's so many opportunities to get your joy stolen it's like the most perfectly said thing like so many like it could be like the slightest thing like somebody cut you off and it's like now i'm in a bad mood no why 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 do i let those little moments have a grip on my heart. The end of this, the end of this first section, it's um, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And verse 3 in Hebrews 12 says, Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. That's That's... That's the invitation, is to not lose heart. Yeah. And there, there is temptations to let disappointment overrule joy. And that's probably the most crippling thing that the, the church at, at large probably experiences is disappointment, whether it's bitterness from a church leader, bitterness from relationship, bitterness from um, finances not panning out, bitterness from um, their marriage falling apart, bitterness from any like anything that could cause you to lose heart. And as a church, we have, we have actually an issue, and I, really, I feel strongly about this, and I don't know if you wanna kinda of sit here too, but like managing our disappointment. You know, Good. when we have an unmet expectation, when something doesn't go our way, like don't lose heart. Like don't lose heart. 
And consider the one who got opposed by sinners, the one who got opposed his whole life but was yeah. unshaken and unfazed. He stayed without losing heart and without growing weary. He still considered the cross before him joy. What? It's amazing. Like his whole life he endured opposition. And still he said that I will consider joy because I know I know I will be at the right hand of the Father. It's just like his, his mind was fixed and made up. Yeah. It's really sweet. Beautiful. Yeah. Can I say one more thing on this? Sure. And then, you know, we're bouncing. But I really believe when we talk about a life of fulfillment, like that's what keeps people from dreaming big. That's what keeps people from dreaming large is that disappointment, that fear of disappointment, not being able to manage yeah. disappointment. And when I think of a fulfilled Christian, I think of somebody who has dreams far bigger than they can handle. Like people that dream God dreams and that have actually sat before the Father and said, what do you want to do with my life? Not what I want to do with my life. What do you want to do with my life? And I've had that moment. And I, I can tell you right now, I have three big dreams that I've written out and I've processed with the Lord that are like, I want to see this happen in my life because I feel like they're from you. I feel like they're God dreams. Mm. And I'm not afraid of the disappointment of not achieving those dreams. Like, I'm yeah. going to hope for that dream. I'm going to hope for those things. And I will consi consistently lay it at the feet of God. And whatever he wants to do with that, he can do. But I'm not afraid of being let down. I'm not afraid of being disappointed. I can manage my disappointment. And I can come to God and be like, man, I'm kind of bummed this hasn't happened yet. I mean, a lot of us could probably relate. I'm a 28-year-old single dude. Like, that's like... When I was 21, I thought, 28, I'm going to have, like, two kids. That's It's going to be fire. The house is going to be candy, like, all those things. And it's like, no, that hasn't panned out. Yeah. And I've actually had moments where I'm like, all right, maybe 35. Maybe 35 that the kids come. I don't know. And you know what? Like, I've actually become okay saying that before God. It's like, that's an unmet expectation, yeah. and I've processed that. And I, I don't go around carrying bitterness that I'm still single. Like, if I did, I more, more likely won't find a wife because I'm like that guy that's like, I'm never going to find my love. You know? Yeah. Well, you're saying two things that I think are, are really profound, actually, about um, just our, our own lives in this journey of faith. And the first one, you know, it reminds me of something that I had heard Dallas Willard say, um, that spiritual maturity is not being surprised when you don't get your way. And that, like, the, the longer you're on this journey, the more you can kind of trade in your dreams for God's and learning how to say that, like, it's, like you said, it's not going to rob something from me. Yeah. I can be hopeful but it's not something that like in my disappointment is going to steal anything. I'm still believing and I still have a posture of faith. But the second, and I think maybe that's really important, is this idea of fear is so crippling, specifically to this generation, is I think fear has taken more people out than failure ever has. And it's the fear of failure that we, keeps us from even trying and from even hoping and from even believing. And I just had this thought that like, Fear is the boundaries for your joy. Like where at whatever you're afraid of, that becomes the end of where your joy can can get. Like it's the ceiling and the parameters and the boundaries. And so, like a life of true joy kind of takes the the boundaries off of our fear, and and has this like posture of faith. 
to believe God for big or to say, even in my, even in the worst of things, even if it's not good, you're going to find a way to make it good. And even when it's uncomfortable, I can live in the uncomfortable. Even when it's stretching me and challenging me, I can live in that because I have a confidence. I have a joy. Like it's not always going to be comfortable. And right when you, right when you said that, I just thought of, I thought like, like most kids are not afraid, especially this, this guy's kid. Easy E is unafraid. He is. He walks around like he is untouchable. And I just think like that's such a cool picture of like childlikeness is such a key. It's such a source of strength. It's a source of joy. It's a source of life. Like living childlike, you know? I I, I never want to lose that. Like if I, this is going to sound weird, but follow this. I'm I'm technically a worship pastor, right? Like that's my title here. I'm a worship pastor. Love and the air quotes. The air like, quotes. That's what you are, bro. I am that, and I'm living in that. I love it, but I'm not gonna walk around like no worship pastor. Like you know what I'm saying? I'm gonna live like a kid, and I want to live like a kid. And there's not to say like you know there's still room for professionalism and having you know things put in order and it's a good thing but i'm saying like in my interactions you know in my like who i am how i carry myself i want to live childlike like i want to be the guy that no matter what happens like i'm still living like a kid because i i don't want to get stuck in a rut i don't want to get stuck in an identity i want to get i want to get stuck in a kid's a kid identity that's looking at his father for fearlessness that's looking at his father as like you can do the impossible. Like, I can dream bigger than what a worship pastor. Like, you know what I'm saying? That titles are irrelevant. Like, positions are irrelevant. It's like, if I'm a kid depending on God, like, as a child, huh. that, that sky is the limit in that kind of posture. And I really believe that. Yeah. Like, living childlike is, is it, like, fulfillment. Like, you're so easily satisfied. You're so easily pleased. You're, you, you enjoy the little. You enjoy the big. You enjoy life. Like, you enjoy God for who he is. You know, I picture a kid being so, you, you could go like, you could go peekaboo, you know, and, and he's so happy, like a little kid. But it's like, God can get you a free coffee one day, and it's like, oh my gosh, dude, that just made my day. And like, actually like, feasting on those moments sure. and being like god's here like in the little things i just need to learn how to enjoy it like a child like he's all over the place well there's like a practical application to learning how to like practice gratitude and thankfulness and training our hearts in that i think is is really important um and and living in such a way that you know i think isn't afraid of being hurt you know yeah. I want to get to Philippians in a second, um, but I, maybe to set up like, okay, so where does that kind of like joy and fulfillment like come from? And maybe claim like, a, like how do we get more of that than practically in our lives? Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> I think one element of what you're talking about is um, there is like, a, so Genesis chapter one, the Bible says that God created the world and it was very good, right? 
and there's an element of like, there's something natural that like anything that's good or beautiful does bring us joy. It's that childlikeness, right? Where it's like, you talk, you know, good coffee can bring us joy and good food can bring us joy. Amen. And good friends and good people and good music. All those things should be causes, right? For, for joy in our lives. Um, but, but I think where people oftentimes have trouble or maybe where that sort of breaks down is where we're trying to have this posture. Um, but you know, you look at our world and it's, it's, it's not a joy fest, right? Like it's course of human history. Isn't just this big celebration. It's, it's a story. In fact, the story that the Bible would tell us is that it's a, it's a world that has been corrupted by selfishness. And it kind of leads us in this tension to say, okay, well, I want to have joy, but like my life is filled with unhappy circumstances. Yeah. 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 And so yeah, where, how do we, good. how do we experience some of that like deeper joy where even when life on the outside doesn't seem like it's, you know, a cause for joy uh, or, or isn't a cause for us to celebrate, how do we still experience the joy-filled life that God has designed for us. Mm-hmm. So two things come to mind. Um, because the kingdom of heaven is so backwards in so many ways. And it's different than how culture considers how to achieve success and achieve joy. But the kingdom of heaven is also one-third joy. Like the kingdom of heaven is... Um, righteousness. righteousness, peace, and joy. Yeah, yeah. And that's scripture. It's one third of it is this joy bomb party. Like that's, that's God's heart. And, but the kingdom of heaven is also one of opposites. It's like, it's better to give than receive. Lay your life down for a, your brother. There's no better love than that. Mm-hmm. Um, um, seek first the kingdom and all things will be added. That's an invisible thing. Like there's just so many like opposites and I could probably list off like 10 more if I thought of them because there's, it's, it's a complete countercultural way of thinking, Mm -hmm. but truly, truly there's, there is such a joy in not thinking how the world thinks. There's such a joy in thinking God laid his life down. How can I become more like that in every area of my life? How can I prefer someone else? How can I prefer my family, how can I prefer my coworker? How can I actually be a, an example of selflessness? And I think when I actually am thinking like that, like yeah. I feel like I'm unfazable. Like I feel like no one can mess me up because I'm like, oh, no, I, I prefer you. So even if you treat me like trash, I'm like, it's, it's great. Like I want to honor you. I, like there's just truly like you truly cultivate this, this honor for people that actually feeds you and satisfies your soul. The other thing I was going to say is this is going to sound so cheesy, but it's actually the love of God and an actual revelation of the love of God. Yeah. And like there are times where I like forget because you just, over, you hear it so much. Like God loves us. He sent his one and only begotten son that whoever, you know, and it's like you hear the language, but like you literally have nothing to prove. You have nothing to show. You don't have to defend yourself. You don't have to be something you're not. Like, you are deeply yeah. loved, and it will never be any different. Like, yes. you couldn't do a thing 
that could tear you from the love of God. Mm-hmm. And like, if you actually like sat there and received it, like if, like there are times where I, I end my day where I'm in my bed and this is going to sound so weird, but I literally say, I say, God, you're so obsessed with me. Like you're so in love with me. You're crazy about me. Like I literally just talk to, I talk to God that way because that's how John was. Like he's all over the book of John. He's like the one whom Jesus loved. He's saying that over and over, the one whom Jesus loved. He, he ran after the one whom Jesus loved. John is the one writing the book and he's saying that. Like it's an example of I'm a son of God and I'm like super loved and yeah. I can't be unloved. And I wake up in the morning and I say the same thing. God, you are madly in love with me. Like, this is crazy. And I just, like, literally feed. I I do that most days of the week, like, actually. And I actually feel it securing my heart, like, filling me with confidence, filling me with, like, I don't need. It fills me with joy. Like, I think of that, like, an actual picture of a father loving a kid. Like, it's the most beautiful thing when it's actually perfect, when the love is actually perfect. And, like, it kind of makes you want to cry a little because it's like you think of like a show like this is us and the the dad is so great and he's like a perfect illustration of a dad and he's loving his children like through every year uh, you know up until he dies i don't know if you yeah sorry (laughs) spoiler (laughs) but they like tell you the second episode that he dies it's really sad it's really sad you guys but there's even more so is the perfect love of the Father, even yeah. more so. And like when you actually let it sink in and wreck you and move your heart and 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 yes. fill your soul, you can think about that all you want and it will satisfy your soul. Like yeah. the love of God satisfies your soul so much so that you leave your house like this fulfilled joy bomb. Like you're actually walking around like, I love you, man. Like I actually walk around with a smile on my face because I, I can live in knowing I'm so deeply loved. Anyways, I'm rambling about the love of the Father. I I think it's a good place for us to kind of like get back to what Jesus had said in in saying that he is the life because, you know, a joyful life isn't a reason to like try and ignore our pain or to maybe sanitize the sorrow that we could feel. It's, It's not necessary. It's not helpful, right? Even in the midst of that, there is still joy that's promised, Joy, as the Bible would tell us, is actually the presence, like you're saying, it's the presence of God's hope and God's love. Mm-hmm. Even in the midst of pain, look, it's no, it's no laughing matter. Like there are people here tonight, I'm sure, that are faced with challenge, faced with difficulty, that are experiencing anxiety and depression. And joy can seem like the furthest thing. Mm-hmm. I hope you hear like the freedom that can come in this, that it's not like that you know, we're trying to minimize any of the pain that our world presents to us, but the presence of God's love and the presence of God's hope in the midst of that is a cause for joy to well up on the inside. It's not happiness that surrounds my circumstances. It's something deeper that comes from within me. And think about this, even in Jesus's, you know, facing um, death on a cross, even in that, when, when we understand what the Bible promises to us is the hope of the Christian life is Jesus has defeated death, joy is like the most reasonable thing that we can do, even in the midst of darkness. Like, what reason do we have to fear? What reason do we have to be afraid? 
if if Jesus has defeated death, that the joy is my my rightful response. I think it, you know just just for us to understand, there's there's this picture in the book of Philippians, and here's where maybe we'll just close tonight. Of a, it's one of the most happiest books of the Bible. It's joyful. There's a tone of almost giddiness that you read if uncovering the book of Philippians. But the context would tell us it's written from a prison cell. It's written to a church who's struggling. And there's, we, we read it a little bit earlier of the joy of the Lord. And we read verses like rejoice in the Lord always. And it's like, hold on, how do we, how do we get joy in the midst of a life that seems like I'm chained, bonded, in pain, struggling? I've got every reason to not be joyful. But there's something on the inside of me that says the presence of God's love and the presence of the hope of the gospel wells up inside of me to, to give joy. And, and I think this is, why, this is why Jesus says he's the life. When we actually get a glimpse to say that, that you can, if you were to imagine the best version of yourself, I would argue that you can't be the best version of yourself without Jesus. You can't, you can't be the best version of you apart from a relationship with Jesus. It's, it's literally the best life possible. Not only because he created us this way, but because how else are we to endure the darkness and the pain of our world, but then to have a deeper source from within us. And that joy actually being a strength. Like, it doesn't always look like giddy. It doesn't always look like I got this crazy cheesy smile on my face it yeah. it's actually sometimes the most quiet strength you know like your your parents could be going through a divorce or you could go through a divorce mm -hmm. and you know like there you have hope in jesus you you could be like on living paycheck to paycheck barely and you know that god has his best in mind for you yeah. and that like actually feeds you joy like there's there's joy in in the dark times, there's joy in trouble. There's joy yeah. in not losing heart and not growing weary. There's joy in that. And that doesn't always look how it it could look. Like sometimes it's like I'm dancing around silly. Like David had joy dancing naked before God. And that was an expression of joy when he was alone before him in the in the field. And and then there's then there's the, this other joy that's like I have a confidence and a hope in God yeah. and I can stay positive and hopeful. Not because not because I have this wishful thinking, positive thinking thing, but it's because I have strength and confidence in God. It's a contentment. Yeah. Yep. I can't be faced. I'm content. Yeah. Yeah. Philippians chapter four, Paul, at the end of this sort of letter to the Philippians in from a prison cell, he says these these words that I've learned the secret in being content. And the secret is this, that my God can supply all of your needs. This is, this I'd say this is the secret of joy. Is that like for the Christian, sadness is momentary. Why? Because my God can supply all of my needs. I want to say to some people in the room tonight, there is nothing that you could ever desire that God cannot provide. He can supply all of our needs, emotional physical, relational, that my God can supply all of our needs, that God isn't stingy, he's not withholding from us, and that the fact that we you know, can sometimes maybe think that is probably a reflection of our fear than anything else. But to say here, hey, Jesus, 
you are the way for spiritual direction. You are the truth to find who I really am. But then to live life the best way possible starts and ends with this conviction, God can supply my every need. It's not about what's happening around me. It's a, it's a, a hope and a faith. Man, what could I ever desire that God cannot provide? And there's some people in the room tonight I just want to encourage you. You can trust tonight, like Paul. You can find the freedom and the hope and the joy and the fulfillment and the happiness in this, this, this conviction to say, God can supply my every need. I'd love it if we can all stand together tonight um, and just kind of offer a moment of response to begin to maybe transition and practice and maybe do what the Bible would instruct us to do to rejoice always. We're going to sing some songs here tonight and we're going to lift up a, a declaration of a, an expression of faith with our words, not because life is good, but because we believe God is good. Before we do that, you know, part of the reason that we gather the way that we do is because there's a group of people of us, myself, Pastor Sean, this is just this conviction that like life without Jesus is incomplete and that Jesus is the pathway to the best life, my most fulfilled self. The, the best version of you is, is found in a relationship with Jesus. I would hate to just talk about that tonight without giving people the opportunity to experience that. And I'm telling you tonight, you can. You can experience joy. You've been searching, but it's possible. It's not found in just pursuing cheap thrills or happy circumstances. It's found in pursuing the one who gives life and life to the full. His name's Jesus. If you're here tonight, just bow our heads and close our eyes. as a moment of privacy to respect this moment. But if you're here and you just say, you know what, I, this is some new news. I haven't heard of a life possible. I've been chasing joy. I've been looking for fulfillment in all kinds of areas. But maybe you're here tonight and just as we were talking, there was something on the inside of you that sparked that says that this is the kind of life that God is calling you to. It's the Holy Spirit speaking to you. Just as we were speaking, God, maybe try to stir some things up in your heart tonight. Man, if you're here tonight, you feel like the world around you is dark, faced with anxiety and depression, listen to the promise of scripture. The secret, whether you have much or little, is that God can supply your every need. And it's that understanding, that revelation of the hope of God and the love of God that is our provision, that can supply everything in life that we need. Listen, we're calling this series The Search for Everything. It's because the search ends with Jesus. It's just, it's just this simple. If you're here tonight and you'd say, you know what, this is the kind of life that I want to experience. I want to I know life to the fullest. I, I haven't been living in a relationship with Jesus, but tonight I'm going to make the decision to say, God, I want to trust your way. Better than my way, I'm following your way. We're going to pray here in a moment. I would just love to know who it is that I'm praying for that would say, you know what, Cody, tonight is a decision where I'm, I'm not trusting my own path anymore, but I'm following a God's way. To be 
a follower of Jesus. It's just as simple to say, hey, I, I know that something on the inside of me is broken. I've been trying to do it by myself and I can't because there's a condition that we all have called sin that has corrupted our very best effort. I don't need a promise or a program to fix me. I need Jesus. And then to believe in my heart that God's way is the best way and a relationship with Jesus is the best thing for me because it's in a relationship with Jesus that I can experience fullness and the fullness of joy. And then to confess with our mouth. It just is a moment as we pray here in a minute to to express with our hearts and with our words our confidence and our trust in Jesus. If you're here tonight and you say, Cody, I, w- I want to know this life. I, I want to follow Jesus. Nobody looking around. Can I just ask you to lift your hand right now so I know who it is that we're praying for? Right now, all across the room, there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Amen. Let's all pray this prayer after me. Let's say, Dear Lord Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. I believe on the cross you took my sin, my shame, and you died for it. Today, Lord Jesus, I turn from my way to follow you. And I believe that you rose from the dead to give me a place in heaven, a purpose on earth, and a relationship with you. Now let's make this our confession. Say, God is my Father. Jesus is my Savior. The Holy Spirit is my helper. And heaven is my home. And joy is my reality. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Just felt, even when uh, Pastor Cody was, when we were chatting here and he said, but we don't take it lightly. There are people in this room that do know Jesus and are living with broken hearts, with broken dreams, with a brokenness inside of them. They're not living a life abundant. They're not living fulfilled. And I just felt the Holy Spirit like actually... um, kind of wake me up to that reality that what he wants is not only people saved and there are seven people in this room that just accepted Jesus as the life abundant source and that's worth every ounce of this moment and I even feel an invitation for those who know Jesus that are considered Christians but are walking around like they're sleeping walking around carrying heaviness carrying burdens carrying brokenness. And that is not your inheritance. That is not how you're designed to walk. You were designed to walk with joy, with life abundant, in fulfillment, knowing, knowing the inheritance you have in God. And it is a life of abundance. And so I, 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 felt, I felt this passage over us. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, and to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. 
They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. Jesus, right now, would you display your splendor and your beauty? Would you turn mourning into, into dancing? Would you turn the garment of heaviness into the garment of praise and into the garment of joy in this place? If you are here right now and you are carrying any brokenness, would you just open your hands, open your arms, and just even put your hand on your heart, whatever it may be, just some kind of physical expression of, God, I need you right now to come in and be the one who promises the year of the Lord's favor in my life, the one who promises to turn things around, the one who promises to heal my mourning and turn it into a song of joy and a song of praise, that my lips would adore the king the way they're designed to adore the king, that my heart would rejoice in every season, that I would have a reason to take joy in my king, that I would have a reason from my heart to be full of joy. Jesus, right now, would you touch the brokenhearted in this place? Spirit of God, come and heal any brokenness. Come and lift any heaviness. Come with all your glory. Come with all your goodness. Come with all your joy. Come with all your love in this place and fill the heart that needs you. Fill the heart that's lacking, that we would be a people we would be a people, that we would be a people of life abundant, life to the full, that we would live fulfilled in who you are, and that that would be more than enough for us, and that we would leave the old man behind forever, leave the brokenness behind, leave the weight behind, and walk in life everlasting in Jesus' name. May it be so in this place. In Jesus' name. Amen.